Welcome to a very special episode of Dissecting the 80s. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers. And with me, as always, is my tag team partner, a proud member of the Losers Club, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. Does, and if it's this a very is a, special episode, does that mean we get some government kickback for talking about drugs? Yeah, we, we do. We, uh, we have to mention about how evil drugs are and how scary I'm they so are. excited. I'm so uh, excited. We we also need to promote, I think, safe sex. No, wait, abstinence. 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 Yeah. 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 Um, no, this is a special episode we're doing for International Podcast Day. This will probably not be that long, but uh, just a little bonus because we're celebrating the day that celebrates podcasts, which is one of my favorite things that I get to Woot-woot. do on a regular basis so if this is your first episode we're at 80s podcast every other week we talk about 80s movies and kind of have fun with them make fun of them usually from a place of love but sometimes from pure abject hatred uh this episode is not going to be that so i don't know if this is the best place to jump in necessarily but do <laughs> check out our other episodes on whatever podcast app you use and dissectthe80s.com uh we both saw it and we wanted to talk about it but uh before we get into that we will do a Q&A. Uh, just a couple of questions here if we got from some listeners out there. Um, but I will say, if you haven't seen it, we are going to talk about it without spoiling anything. And then we will tell you when we're going to start spoiling the movie so that you can then stop the podcast if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen the movie yet. So we're going to we're gonna take care of spoilers that way. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Also, this is going out largely unedited, so apologies if it's not as quite up to our normal standard, or perhaps a few more ums and uhs that you're used to that get whisked away in the magic magic of editing, but this is um, a tight um, turnaround. Um, uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 uh. So we're going to sound much dumber than we normally do, which I know sounds impossible. But um, let's do Q&A here first. Uh, the first first question comes from uh, Mega Power Mom, Lynn, and she asks, uh, how do you decide which movie to watch since most of them you've never seen before? We have a very careful – we have a process that is essentially I watch the movies and – or I, I scour for the movies and then Andrew occasionally does the same. Um, so I often have just like – I'll see a little piece of something on Wikipedia and then I end up clicking on another thing, clicking on another thing, clicking on another thing and I fall in the rabbit hole. Uh, we have a running Google Doc with like a couple hundred movies in it at this point. That's yeah. So, you know, you'll, Andrew will find something and he'll be like, hey, you know, I uh, I, I want to do this at some point and, and, you know, we'll do that. Um, we have a couple of things in the works where we find like a thematic tie between a couple of movies and we try to figure out when we can deploy that. So we, we, we do it that way. But honestly, it's just like uh, once you start looking for something like this, it seems to f- make itself appear to you. I think it's kind of like that thing where if you buy a blue car, suddenly you see all blue cars everywhere. Yeah, exactly. 
So, you know, I, I mean, I've gotten them from comment sections on articles. I've gotten them from weird Wikipedia rabbit holes. I've gotten them from, you know, people suggest them occasionally and people, you know, come like, Oh, have you ever seen this or that? And you know, that'll spark something. Um, and then honestly, just weird, uh, Wikipedia rabbit holes, I'd say is my favorite way to find them. Mine too, for sure. Be like adventure films. Yeah. Okay. What's that look like? And then suddenly you find, you know, Alan Quartermain in the lost city of gold, which is one that'll come eventually on this show, but you know, has not yet. Or I like to click on an actor's names and be like, I know this person from something and I click and then I scroll and it's like, you did 14 films in the eighties. Excuse me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a great one too. Finding an actor and chasing them down. Um, yeah. So that is how we find them. It's, it's honestly a mishmash of different things. There's no one way that we, that we find stuff, but you know, we'll all sorts of different things. will will come our way and we, uh, we throw them into a big pot and then we, we grab them as we need it. Uh, I also really like trolling the VHS section of Goodwills and places like that. I'm looking right now at like half a dozen, not all of them are eighties, but anytime I see a weird movie, I will pick it up for, you know, 50 cents or whatever. Um, just all sorts of, I got you a beta max once. Yeah. Yeah. I have no way to play that one, but I do have no one several. Does. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, all, all sorts of weird ways. Uh, and the other question is from uh, listener Angie. Uh, what will you do when you run out of 80s movies, possibly tra- time travel to create more to comment on? Uh, I get this question. This is the first thing I get asked almost every time I explain the podcast to somebody. Do you get this a lot too? Uh, not a, No, because most people are like, you don't look like you were alive in the 80s. And I say, astute of you. I, I wasn't. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. I feel like I feel like we won't. We won't run out in our lifetime, I don't think. I, I That is what my answer always is. We do 26 episodes a year. We've done uh, – tw- yeah, we do 26 episodes a year. Uh, if one day this podcast became a thing that we could you know, do as a job, we would probably do it weekly, which weekly. would be 52 episodes a year. Yeah, but even with a weekly release, there were probably between movies and television – two or three thousand things released in the 80s that we could comment on realistically mm-hmm. even if it's half that even if it's 15 you know a thousand to 1500 that's yeah. that's so many episodes of this show because here's the thing I, it would get to a point where it would be like okay trip i feel like we've got done a lot so let's just say like this the next like every other month in, the, in this year is going to be at, at, like a, a, the golden girls so we're just going to like bang out you know, however many episodes of the Golden Girls that would be. 26 episodes of the Golden Girls from one season. And then next year, be like, oh, we'll do that with this show so we can, like, space it out. Yeah, I've never I've never Googled it, but I would imagine that in the decade of the 1980s, you're talking about 520 weeks, at least one movie every week. So just movies alone, which conservatively, you're at, like, 550. And then you add in another hundred TV shows. I mean, that's 600 episodes right there. It took us, it's going to take us about four years to reach a hundred. So we, we got, got 500 plenty. possible episodes left. And uh, that's, that's quite a long time. If, if we're still doing this show 20 years from now that uh, I will be 50. Uh, I'm not sure that that's a realistic thing to think is going to happen. Because then what we'll do is we'll start reviewing plays from the 1880s. We'll have to change our title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I mean, certainly there, there, there could come a time when we tire of the eighties and try to do a new thing, but, uh, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Uh, certainly not. That always works not. out so well. Yeah. We have, we have February planned out to 2020. That is the one thing that we know will come to an end. <laughs> For, like <laughs> February in its current format will have to end. Yeah. There, it just won't, it just won't exist after 2020. We have enough to you get know, through that. You know what we'll do? We'll do four episodes in February, calling it February. That's what I think. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll cut. Co- yeah, exactly. We'll figure out a different way to keep that tradition alive, but it won't be it won't be that anymore. Um, the other question I get all the time, and I'm going to throw this to you because I answer it all the time. So the second question that comes to me, this isn't from any listener, but it is one just I feel a lot in my life. After what are you going to do when you run out of movies? Is why the '80s? Um. I just think they're glamorous in a very weird way. Like, I don't know, the hair was big and the outfits were gaudy on everybody. Like, there was this weird... I mean, fashion wasn't just a women's thing in the way that it sort of became for a while. It was like, oh, no, dudes are going to wear, like, white blazers with the sleeves rolled up and, like, big old hair. Like, it was was a very weird sort of androgynous time. I thought... I think it's really cool. Um super problematic at times so i think if you go into it understanding that and like being able to be like okay here's why these people are shitheads but let's make jokes about them and make it a little better yeah and for me the thing that i always say is i think it's the last rattle of movie studios giving a pile of money to creative people and being like i don't know go make something whereas now for sure you know, the big really, and that's not to say I don't enjoy current movies. Cause I do. I, I mean, I enjoy, I, I've always loved movies, but that's not to say there aren't great movies made now and great movies made in all decades. It's not what I'm trying to say, but to me, the last big batch of weirdness ended in the eighties. And there was some after that, but where a creative person could pitch a weird idea to someone and they'd be like, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Here's a pile of money. Uh, I was just listening to an interview with a, director who was talking about trying to pitch a movie that reminded him of the movies he watched when he was a kid and he was saying like you go into these pitch meetings and you explain something to somebody that's like this new off-the-wall idea and the guy on the other side of the table is like well what's it like because they want everything to be like it's indiana jones meets five goes west which would be the weirdest movie possible but that's just what which my might brain just put be five goes west yeah yeah but just they want the you know you know, but, but like, for example, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is it's Indiana Jones, but also Star Wars. Like they want those pieces. Meets the Avengers. Right. But like when they pitched Indiana Jones, I guess they would have said it's like an adventure serial from the 40s. But, you know, it's a weird movie. That like, would go over like a lead balloon today. <laughs> yeah. But like it's inspired you know, by it's, 1940s radio serials about swashbucklers <laughs> on land. Yeah. Yeah. Get exactly. out. F- hand so, me my cocaine like, and get out. <laughs> I I just don't think that you would get a chopping mall in 2017. No, and you you would only get it because it already happened, and the studio can be like, "Oh, we're, it's a remake, it's a reboot." Yeah, yeah. So that's that's I love the 80s because I think it's one of the last big big balls of weirdness in, in movie making. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll 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 switch over to talking about it now. We'll we'll talk about it as non-spoilery as possible for a little while, and then we're gonna have to switch into spoilers. But like I said, we'll warn you that. Um, so to start off, you've seen the mini series, but haven't read the book. Correct. 
and I've read the book, but I haven't seen the miniseries since our grandmother <laughs> since scarred you me were for a life. Very young child. <laughs> uh, so that came out in 1990, and I am pretty sure that our grandmother, our our mother's mother, showed me that movie in maybe 92 or 93. So I was like five or six. I was way I, too young. I don't think I was born yet. I don't. I don't think so either. But I, I'm not sure of that. But. She showed it to me and uh, my cousin, who's about nine months younger than I am, and we both lost our minds, as you do. And then she she took us to the grocery store. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this ever, but at the grocery stores, there's often like a little gold port on the floor, which I think is so they can plug in the floor cleaning machine without having to like you know redo it. Like they can plug it in each aisle. And she pointed out how much it looked like a drain cover where it comes out of. And then we were so scared we, like, ran out of the grocery store. So um, Classic Dan, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is classic Dan. Um, so I, I, I've seen pieces of it since, but every time I try to sit down and watch it, like, or, or like I see a clip, I'm like, this doesn't look that good. And people, people really – I know some people really like it, which is fine, you know. Like whatever you like, but I've never felt compelled to jump in and watch it because of that. I've always felt like it looks a little bit cheap. I mean, there definitely is a cheapness to it. There's there's a '90s miniseries feel to it, so it's gonna have that aspect. Um, it definitely doesn't have the same scope as the movie. Yeah, like everything, a lot of the stuff that the movie took, like was like, oh, the miniseries did that effectively. Let's do that as well. Um, was taken and been like oh this is how it should have been done like the right right the blood scene is that it's in it's in a trailer i feel like it's not a spoiler yeah yeah i mean again you're you're, we're treading there why don't you why don't you put a pin in that and we'll come back to it after we unleash the spoiler cannon because i would like to talk about that scene in depth so let's just go big picture here you loved this as much as I did, I think. I did. It was a phenomenal interpretation. The kids were amazing. The design was amazing. The cinematography was amazing. Like all the cho- all, all the choices they made, I thought were very effective choices. Yeah, I'm totally on board. It's so hard to cast good kids. It's so hard to cast movies with with Seriously, child though. actors. Yeah, and like, you know, Stranger Things did that really well last year and, and I'm sure is is also good again this year, but like it's so hard, and they had to do seven. Like it's so well, not just that. Probably a dozen a kids overall, because the the bullies and stuff. Right, right. So I I thought that was phenomenal. Um, I honestly think if we're just talking horror adaptations, this is probably among like the top five, maybe top three horror Stephen King adaptations for me. And I'm a big Stephen King nerd. I've always loved the books. I've seen. You know the majority of the movies and miniseries based on his on his work. I'm a big fan. I've always I've always loved it. I, I it's not without its faults. He's extremely unwoke. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of this book in particular has a lot of racial and gender stuff that I'm like, oh my god. You know, but um, at the end of the day, I think he tells a particularly interesting brand of story. When he's on his game, he's as good as anybody as far as that goes. Um, yeah, but that's the kind of writing I like. I've never been the guy who likes a David Foster Wallace who has you know seventy eight word sentences. I just want a good story. That's I want to be entertained when I read a book. So that's what I look for. I agree. Um, I would say for me, Carrie is probably my favorite Stephen King adaptation and book of the ones I've read. 
Um, uh, Mi- Misery would be my favorite of the movies, I think. Mm, that's a really good one. Yeah. And I also, like, I don't want to get into, like, a whole 87-hour discussion about The Shining. I think The Shining movie is awesome. It's a Kubrick movie. It's done fantastically. I don't think it's necessarily a great adaptation of the book, but if you take something and you keep most of its base elements and then you make a great product, that's ultimately what you're going for. So, like, I don't have that weird problem Stephen King heads have of, like, oh, it changed the source material. Yeah, but then Stephen King made The Shining miniseries, and it was awful. Right, which is like so it's close. So to much the book, talking, it's ridiculous. Yeah, stop talking. Um, Show me. So I would, I would highly recommend this to anybody who likes horror movies. I, I would say it's probably one of the most entertaining. Um, that's not true. Get Out with a packed theater was, I think, one of my favorite experiences in a theater ever. But this was really fun too, despite the fact. And I'm going to make myself sound like such an old man right now, but I have to talk <laughs> about this. I need I need to have this. I'm sorry that you all are my therapy session. I will try to be short about this, but oh boy. So I went like two weeks after release. My like my life was crazy. I had so much stuff going on. I couldn't get to see this. I finally get to go see this movie. It's like two weeks after release on Thursday night. It's full of teenagers, and I'm like immediately like, oh no, I'm gonna have to be the old man in this theater. And so these kids won't shut up. They're talking all the way through the previews. The movie starts and there's like an opening, uh, cold open basically. And they talk and they're whispering through this whole thing. And there's like a scare in the first, you know, five minutes. Sorry, I guess that's a mild spoiler, but there's a scare. I in don't the think that counts as a spoiler if it's how the movie yeah. opens. It's like yeah. saying Satine I mean, dies saying in Moulin Rouge. A- <laughs> it literally opens with that. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, there's a scare in the beginning. And then this like chucklehead kid, and I like I get it. I was a kid once too, but he's like, "Oh, what are you so scared of?" And I find like I had done three turnaround and glares as they were talking through this opening scene, which is like five to seven minutes. And then finally, I just like they they were talking, and they're like, "I'm missing dialogue in the movie." And I finally was like, "Would you all please shut up?" And they 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 snap quiet, and I felt like an asshole, but like like just just shut up and watch the damn movie. And the other crazy thing to me and like i didn't say anything to this person because i'm not the movie police and like you get one and then that's it like i feel like you can't be the guy who's like policing everyone's behavior and the kids were more annoying than this person but there was a girl in front of me couldn't have been older than 23 24 years old literally did not put her cell phone away for the entire movie she literally sat and texted i'm not exaggerating she never put her phone away she was texting, like, and I could see, like, emojis and GIFs. At one point, she took a picture of Pennywise and sent it to somebody. Like, she literally never put her phone away. I would have done popcorn entire... on her head. I, I like, I, I, she was far enough away that I would have had to get up, get in some other person's personal space to, like, whisper in her ear. And then I would have been the creepy guy, like, leading over her seat and be like, could you put your phone away, please? And I just, like, I, it was too many factors, and I already you, shushed those people. You dump soda on her head so she's wet and sticky, and then throw popcorn on her so it sticks to her. <laughs> it's like tarring and feathering at the movies. Yeah, like the movie version, the tame movie version. Uh, but anyway, you should definitely go see this if you like horror movies. Uh, and even if you don't, if you want to get a good scare for Halloween, it's it's really quite fun. I'm guessing this is going to stick around close through the end of October because it just keeps earning money. Assume. It's um, it's quote unquote the most financial or the the biggest uh, box office R rated horror movie of all time. Although I have a pretty major quibble. Sorry, 
the article I read said it was close to becoming the number one horror movie of all time, but that article didn't list Jaws, which I have like a fundamental issue with. That like the idea that we don't get to count oh, Jaws. Oh, it didn't as a include movie. Jaws and the things it was go- it, it was close to beating. Right, so it beat The Exorcist, which is R-rated, but when it was like all horror, they didn't have Jaws in the list, and I was like, if you don't think Jaws is a horror movie, you are just dumb. Wrong. Like that's yeah, you're just wrong. Yeah. So let's let's get into spoiler territory. We're not going to recap this movie like we normally do on the show because neither of us sat in a theater and took notes, but we do want to talk about it kind of broadly. So uh, why don't you start with the blood thing that you were alluding to earlier? Yeah. Um, actually, which, by the way, I think is like one of the best scares of the whole movie. It really is. Um, actually, you know, I, I, have a, I have a non-spoiler thing that I'll drop in before we get into Spoil Town. Um, the design of Pennywise I thought was really interesting um, because most of my knowledge came from the 90s miniseries where Pennywise was really around more. Like, he was appearing in people's lawns to lure kids away and he had more of right. a physical presence in what felt like the real world. Um so I was kind of basing it on that. And this new Pennywise, if you've seen promotional photos, which I'm sure you have because they were everywhere, um, I didn't like it. I, th- I thought he looked too creepy off the bat. Like, if you saw Tim Curry's Pennywise at a kid's birthday party, like, if you were walking down the street and you saw that, you'd be like, oh, kid's yeah. birthday party has a clown. That's something weird. But, like, if you saw this new Pennywise at a birthday- kid's birthday party, you'd be like, I'm going to call the police because something is wrong. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I love the silhouette on this new clown. It's very Victorian. It feels like it's, he's got pants on and they're like really fitted, but they have the like really puffy, like top of the pant. And like, he has like the mutton sleeves that are big and poofy and it's short with ruffles. And it's, it's like a weird Victorian feel to it. And then once I saw the movie, it was just like so freaking effective because it it was different like the movie was structured differently than the miniseries so he didn't need to blend in like there was never a moment of like he has to pass for clown right yeah i i thought that that was a very interesting choice too because in the in the book as with the miniseries he does a lot more like passing in public and he doesn't he definitely is only seen what he wants to be seen in this version of it mm-hmm. um but uh, going back finally to this blood thing, so the the scene in the book creeped me out when she hears Bev is in the bathroom and she hears voices coming out of her drain pipe and she uh, borrows her dad's tape measure to see how deep the drain pipe goes and it's like foot after foot after foot after foot. It's so it's like sixty feet deep for a drain pipe. Yeah, uh, and then when she pulls the tape measure out, it brings like blood and other crap up with her. But in uh, I don't remember exactly how the scene plays out in the book, but the stuff shooting out of the sink to grab her that looked like it was made out of her own hair that she had cut off the night before mm-hmm. was so awesome. Like, just so creepy and terrifying. It like it grabs her wrists and pins it to the sink. It grabs her neck and her face and starts to pull her deep into the sink. And then it's just uh, like an old faithful <laughs> geyser of blood that coats her face, coats the room, Coats just everything. I I would love to know how much fake blood they used for this scene because it was gobs of it. That poor actress. Yeah, I. Uh, and then later when the kids clean it up, all I could think of was the poor. I I wonder if they made the room a little like filmed it in reverse, like made the room a little dirty to clean it up, and then they ruined the room so that they didn't have to clean it when it was disgusting. Oh, they just like burned it. 
like push well you just just take it i mean just like pressure wash it and not have to worry about ruining the wallpaper or ruining you know some of the set you could just spray it all off and take it apart you know well that's true although i don't know it was pretty gross when the when the kids like first started cleaning yeah 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 i just was wondering if if they actually had to make it dirty and clean it up or they did it kind of in reverse um the one thing i will say so in the book, each of the kids gets their own scare with Pennywise, and you can let me know if that's the same in the miniseries. But each kid uh, has like a really much. scary moment. Uh, okay, so like each kid has a really scary moment that turns out is Pennywise. Um, they did it a little bit differently and had each kid see Pennywise when something bad was happening to them, which I like for time reasons I totally understand. Like you can't give each of these kids a five minute scene where they're you know deal with thing. So they cut it down to just some of the big ones. You had a lot of stuff with Georgie, Bill's brother. You had a lot of stuff with um, the leper and Eddie, who's like a hypochondriac. Then you had the, the dad stuff with Beverly, which is like some of the most important. But the only one oh, – and then the creepy painting for um, Stanley Uris, Uris um, that like came to life uh, and then later attacked him. Um, or so I attacked him twice. But the one that I really was kind of bummed we didn't get to see was – in the book, my favorite one, the one I found the most scary, is Mike Hanlon is walking home from school or biking home from school, and he goes to check out the site of the big uh, Easter explosion that turns out that Pennywise was behind. And he gets attacked by a giant bird and has to climb into this creepy pipe and is like getting further and further back and more and more condensed and confined until he's trapped with this huge falcon or hawk or whatever, like getting at him. And I was really excited to see what that would look like on screen. There's even a moment where a big hawk flies by in the sky, and I was like, oh, my God, is that the hawk? And then when we didn't get it, I was pretty disappointed. Um, I think we got all the kids, though, because Mike has the the burned hands in the meat locker. Yeah. Yep. And then Richie has the clown room. Right, but the clown room is, like, there's no earlier encounter that, like, sets up, like, oh, this thing's a problem. Like, right, like, the, no, like before they do the slideshow. Yeah, yeah. So, which is fine. Like, again, I, you're making a movie. You can't translate the whole thing. It's, it's totally fine. Um, I also thought it was interesting. Someone I read this online. Someone pointed out they had that encounter in the sewer where Stanley gets the worst of it. That thing is, like, sucking on his face. Which yeah. gives him, which isn't in the book, super spoiler, I guess, for the adult version of this, but we did say spoilers, but gives him way better justification for killing himself. I had the, to keep telling that to Becky. I was with my friend Becky, and she's like, oh my God, because she couldn't, she hadn't watched, rewatched the miniseries lately, and she was like, right. oh God, this kid's going to die. And I was like, Beck, none of the main seven can die because they all show up as adults in the very beginning of the second movie. <laughs> like, trust yeah, me, yeah. This, yeah. these seven kids are safe. Yeah, yeah, for now, for now. Um, but yeah, so but I But then his I face, his face was him... getting eaten, and I was like, oh my, I don't remember that happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, as someone, as like I said, repeating this from somebody else I read online, but they were like, it gives him much better motivation to kill himself. Is like, no fucking way. I dealt with that once, and that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I agree. Uh, what, was your, what was your favorite uh, uh, Pennywise bit? Because I think that's the star of this show, right? Like, Really, really, though. Um, I kind of loved the subversive nature of the TV show that was sort of playing constantly throughout Dairy. Yeah, I love that too. Anytime you were in someone's house, the TV was on what looked like some kind of a like local access kids show of just like a bunch of kids sitting in a room with a teacher. Um, 
and then when the camera like you they never focused on it it never really did but they were it was in the background and it would say things like playing in the sewers is so much fun we love to float in the sewers and becky and i kept being like hang on they're talking about sewers they're talking about floating they're talking about clowns they're talking about fun in the sewers like when is someone going to acknowledge this what is happening yeah 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 and then it it, it sort of culminates with um the bully what's his name Henry Bowers. Henry. It culminates with Henry Bowers killing his dad because the TV says kill him and he'll float too. And the teacher moves and Pennywise is in the TV. Yeah, it's really pretty fantastic. Um, I think my favorite was the opening bit with Georgie. Like that sort of... Oh my God. It's so good. We talked... We talked a little bit about it off air, but like he has this sort of sing songy quality in his voice that when I watched the trailer made me a little bit confused. But it's so Pennywise effective because about. it's yeah, yeah, Pennywise. But it's so effective because it would be totally disarming to a little kid because he's like so playfully been like, "Oh hi, Georgie, I'm Pennywise the Dancing Clown," and it's like. It, it, if he was in there like i'm coming for you georgie like the kid would run the hell away and i yeah. love that i love that i like he is playful and fun and whatever so they can lure these kids in cuz he's a huge freaking monster mhm and it it also they really played up the idea that the adults know what the hell is going on with it and are like complicit in doing nothing about it yeah, yeah, it's it's delightful. I, that is one of the, my favorite aspects of the story. Like, uh, it's funny. I've I've taken to joking about this lately. That I think my favorite subgenre of entertainment is kids in peril. Like, I love the Stranger Things thing. I, coming back with that, I love this. And it's not that I want to see kids get hurt. I just really miss things that used kids as the folly for the bad stuff because i i think there is a universal understanding as adults watching this stuff of like how much scarier life was when you were a kid the things that you are able to convince yourself are are nothing now you didn't necessarily have that ability when you were seven and i like that like i i think that's a cool thing so i i enjoyed the heck out of that but um I had a coworker talking about how she'd never see this movie because the kids are in peril. And I immediately was like, that's my favorite genre of movie. And I think everyone I work with thinks I'm a serial killer now, uh, which is fine, which is fine. Um, I will say the other, so, you know, missing that bit with the bird kind of stunk, but the, the, the thing I found strangest was how easily they beat Pennywise. Yeah. I wanted more. I want, I like in, in the mini series, it felt, it was a big production. It was a big to do. You know, they like we had to Did join they get all the silver and, and stuff. Yeah, they okay. like had a silver and a slingshot. Okay, okay, it is the same. Yeah, I, I was. I thought it was weird that there was not as much like let's gather all the weapons and, and you know talk about you know needing silver or you know whatever other you know crosses or whatever other monster fighting equipment they could come up with. They just had Mike's um, sheep killing gun. Yeah, it was uh, the the thing that Anton Chigurh uses in No Country for Old Men. Oh, I didn't. I've never seen that movie. It's gnarly. He uses it to kill people. Um, He's one of the best creepy villains of all time. You should you should check that out. I believe it. I thought Bill Skarsgård did a really great job with Pennywise. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's. I I I mentioned this to you off air. Uh, There's a a horror writer I'm a big fan of. I follow on Twitter named John Squires. His handle on Twitter is Freddy in space. 
and he often will like talk about the horror community community and horror writing online and how like you know it's a it can be weird, very weird and it was like three days after it came out and he was like somebody wrote an article today fantasy casting petty wise did 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 we not just watch this movie like are you kidding me bill skarsgård was amazing <laughs> god people are so awful yeah honestly like tim curry is from what I understand, anyway, the by far the best part about that miniseries, and oh, in this leaps and bounds. In this, we got a fantastic Pennywise performance, but also a much better movie than that '90s miniseries. From what I, again, from what I understand, yeah, I agree with that. It just was able to do more in like more in a more effective way. Gotcha, gotcha. They just announced that uh, the sequel comes out in September 2019, which uh, I'm pretty excited for. <laughs> Someone online was like, how about we petition that the sequel to it, instead of an adult cast, is just the the kid cast with fake mustaches on? Every one of them. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that at least 30 to 40 minutes of that movie is going to be flashbacks of some capacity. Stuff they, like, didn't cover in the first? Yeah, I mean, you could, yeah, I mean, you could have them be like, yeah, you remember when we did this thing, and then you know you do that thing. Um, like for example, one of the remember things when I that was giant really... eagle attacked me. Yeah, yeah, saving yeah, it for exactly. part two. Um, one of the in the book, there's like a lot of stuff about how uh, Ben, who becomes an architect, like just knew how to make stuff. And there's like no bullshit, like a three chapter thing about them building a dam and it like causing flooding in the town. Which like I'm glad is not in the thing because who could That's possibly care? That's in the miniseries, but. Is it? Okay. But yeah, they build the a cool dam things... for no reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just some kids. Full... I mean, I did dumb stuff in a creek, too, when I was a kid. I just didn't spend three chapters of a book about it. Yeah. But uh, one of the other um, things in the uh, in the book that I thought was really cool and I would like to see if they could work it into this is they do a Native American smoke ritual where they, like, build a fire in a confined space and they all, like sit in there until they can't take it anymore and have like a spiritual thing to try to learn how to kill Pennywise, which sounds dumb as I describe it to you, but I think could be a very cool scene in the movie. And it'd be interesting I'm if they sure kind of th- work some of that stuff in. I'm pretty sure that was in the miniseries too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the miniseries is from what I understand. Hugh's pretty close. So, um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to talk about. With just it. No I just, we orgy. both really liked this movie and it was no kid. Yeah. Thank God. No kid orgy. Let's never speak of that. Stephen King, stop doing cocaine in 1985. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't. If you have anything else, jump in with it. But I just would. You no, suggested this, and I thought that was a great idea. Pretty much covers all my thoughts. Yeah, it's super fun movie. If you haven't checked it out yet, you should go do that. Uh, but yeah, it's super fun and uh, one of the best horror movies of the year by far, easily. Now we're going to get a Killer Clowns remake because the studios are going to be like, they like clowns. <laughs> we, buy, buy, buy all the clown properties you can. Uh, I'll be here for that too. I, that would be super I would, delightful. I would super be here for that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening to our special International Podcast Day bonus episode. Uh, this will not affect our regular release schedule. We will be back with a new proper dissect in the 80s on October 9th. That is the movie High Spirits with the Goot, Steve Gutenberg. I have an announcement. We are going to be doing something quite stupid that we promised we would never do, but we are going back to Amity. That's right. We're going to live tweet the 
Amityville movie as it finally ca- comes out free for everyone on Google Play. We're going to live tweet 8 <laughs> no p.m. No faith Eastern in the time. film. <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern time. You can put it on. Watch along with us. We're going to live tweet it. It'll be a big party. We'll come up with a hashtag. It'll be a super fun thing. Uh, so join us for that. It'll be really goofy. Good time. Um, if you want more of the show, dissectingthe80s.com. And if you'd like to get a hold of us, it's facebook.com slash dissectingthe80s or at Twitter, dissectthe80s. You can also call our line and call 856-D-I-S-S-E-C-T and leave us a message. Uh, we will see you on October 9th for High Spirits. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Ow.